Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle introduce each other to films, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of December 2020, and we are in the midst of Kyle's brutal Christmas. Um, If you're not able to piece together exactly what that is, uh, essentially what we're doing this month is Kyle is providing us a selection of brutal Christmas films uh, and or holiday films. Uh, Basically, we're taking a look at the, I guess, darker side of the holiday season. Um, So this week, Kyle, um, what film did you pick for us to review? Uh, This was a mutual catching up of uh, Inside from 2007. Uh, This is a French film. I I didn't catch who directed it. Um, I ended up watching the unrated version. It's actually kind of hard to find, but I know that we both found it legally and uh, and had a pretty good time. But uh, what did you think about it? Uh, I quite enjoyed this movie, uh, mostly for what it what it is. Um, the the way uh, the way I phrased it in my mind is it's important that you know who you are mm-hmm. going into this film uh, because uh, this is a a home invasion horror film um, that has a particular brand of goriness that uh, not everybody's going to be able to be on board with. Not everybody's going to be able to stomach this kind of horror movie. Um, so if if the basic description of like the subgenre and like the basic flavor of this particular subgenre of horror appeals to you, then yeah, by all means check it out. But everyone else, um, if you're not down with this, stay the fuck away because you're not going to have a fun time with it. Yeah, there are some cringy moments in here. Um, yeah, I chose this one because I knew it was going to be brutal, and we've been trying to. I've been trying to dip my toes into this. Uh, this really brutal French wave of horror film. Uh, this one, Martyrs, and High Tension, which my brother and I always laughed at the uh, the video store front cover of because the it says High Tension and there's a, a person on the front with a chainsaw covered in blood. I'm like, well, yeah, it looks like they are very tense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the cover you're talking about. It's a uh, woman with the like the pixie cut covered yeah. in blood holding a chainsaw. Um, I've also seen alternate covers though, where it's a it's a like a man in like a boiler suit with a with a cap. I've seen that one too. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which of those covers I prefer, but I'm I'm really glad that you brought up the uh, the French new wave of horror um, because yeah, the, this film is like maybe the the forerunner of of that whole that whole moment in time. Um, so what Kyle's referencing here is like in the in the mid through the late 2000s, there was a a thing going on in France where we got a whole string of like ultra-violent, um, really brutal and intense uh, horror movies coming out of France. Um, a lot of times from like uh, new face directors and whatnot. Um, it's up for debate whether or not this was an actual like constructive movement, like if you know, people were actually actively trying to keep this thing going. But for whatever reason, we got a whole string of these kinds of movies. Is this the only one of those you've seen? I'm just curious. Yes, from the to the best of my knowledge, yes, this is the only French one I've seen. Because I mean, it's I I would lump this in like this is like right in there when Eli Roth started becoming popular. Like, yeah, actually, it's very much around that time period. Um, but for whatever reason, this was kind of exclusive to France. Although you could argue that yeah, we have that kind of stuff going on over here in the form of like Hostel and mm. Saw and all that business. But um, of of like the more famous movies that fit into this subcategory of 
French horror. Uh, I've only seen High Tension. Um, and I, I quite enjoyed it for the most part. I've, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I put this one slightly above it, uh, just in terms of entertainment value. Mm. Uh, but they're both very immediate, very tense films. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're both very, very gory. Um, this one probably gets the edge, though, in terms of uh, graphic content and whatnot, for sure. Yeah, it actually kind of plays out like just somebody's just kind of telling you the story because we don't. There's not a lot of character development, which is nice because we're going to see this person tortured. We don't really, or not tortured, but we're going to see this person uh, get beat up pretty good. Uh, we don't really need to uh, be concerned about who they are. Uh, she has almost. It's it works because uh, well, I'll give a rundown uh, real quick. Uh, in this movie, we have Sarah, our our main character. Uh, we end up seeing her in a car wreck, which looks pretty bad. Uh, find out that her husband died in the crash, and she is pregnant pretty far along. Uh, I'm say about eight months pregnant, about nine, right there. And uh, she goes home after all this ordeal, uh, I guess after a few days, and she has a home, in, a home invasion, basically, and she's just trying to survive this uh, home invasion of one crazy lady. <laughs> Yeah, one batshit crazy gal. One um, baby crazy lady, yes. <laughs> yeah, she is. She got the baby madness. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, actually, that's a very succinct breakdown of the entirety of the film. This is not a plot-heavy movie, nor a, nor a character-heavy movie. Um, this is a very immediate thriller, where it, it basically takes place in one location. Uh, there's very few jumps in time. There's a handful, but very few and far between. Most of the time, you're just kind of in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we get maybe 20 minutes of setup before we're, we're in the, the home invasion portion of the film. And uh, it doesn't really let go after that. <laughs> but um, spoiler alert for everyone. Um, this should be known to anyone who's listened to Catching Up on Cinema before, but we do pretty much full spoilers for mm-hmm. the movies that we review. Um, so I'm not sure when those reveals are going to happen, but just this is your warning that, you know, it's all, go- it's all going to get aired out at some point. And, uh, like right from the get-go, we we do get um, a little bit of a hmm, like a little bit of misdirection uh, that isn't revealed until much much later in the film. But, mm. um, I think it's kind of funny that the the first image we get in the whole movie is like in 2020. Anyway, I can't speak for 2008. I, I don't remember exactly who I was in 2007, 2008. But uh, like right from the get-go, like the first shots we get in the movie are not the best CGI rendering of a fetus. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> it's bad. Like, like I, I'm not going to lie. As soon as that came on the screen, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I got a little bit worried, but thankfully that's, you know, that pops up a few times in the movie. Like, the this this particular camera angle, like the interior of somebody's womb um, in CGI and whatnot, it does pop up from time to time in the film, but thankfully it's... Most of most of the gore effects and whatnot are, are practical, and it, it, they know their limitations and they work within them quite well for the most part. I think it's the animating of the fetus. I think that's the problem because it kind of moves. Like if it was just like if we're just seeing like the inside of the womb, you see the baby, but the baby's having like, oh man, what's going on out there? Like I'm like, oh, it's a bit silly, guys. Yeah, it, it's giving me flashbacks of like Son of the Mask and whatnot, where it's mm. like, mm, I don't need to see a baby doing dance moves. No. <laughs> like, like, yeah, this baby has some character. He's got some swagger. Like he he does have some moves, and it's like, 
you know, it, it, like, it, he's he's not yet conscious. Like, maybe let him just kind of be a little bit inert, just, like, hanging out in there. But, yeah, he, he reacts to, every like, outside stimuli in a very animated fashion. Yeah. So it's like, calm down, baby. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, what'd you think about this opening music? I thought it sounded like Tangerine Dream went through a breakup. <laughs> I couldn't put it better. Uh, I'll, I'll let you have that one. Um, Thank you. So... Yeah, it has like kind of a dour synth tone to it, um, and yeah, that that carries on through the rest of the film. The rest of the film has like a grungy kind of like a industrial kind of sound to it, mm-hmm. almost, uh, where it's a lot of it's almost an e- exclusively synthesizer electronic, um, but it's mostly just like ambient. But when when like tension scenes are happening, like when when tensions are high. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How <laughs> tension? Um, it uh, it you know puts on like a like a like a heartbeat like like a like mm. it, it gets it ratchets up um, Point, from time to time. Points to points to uh, French film the French film for using uh, like industrial electronic music. Uh, fucking Saw and I'm not sure about Hostel, but Saw definitely relies on the new metal like new metal riffs like throughout. I remember that very vividly in the Saw movies. Yeah, uh, Saw Saw has a very strange and obnoxious style to it. It feels like a moment in time, but then when I really think about, it, I think it's just like unique to Saw, where mm-hmm. like a lot of the um, a lot of people would refer to it like in the past anyway. I I don't even think the kids know what this means anymore, Kyle. Mm-hmm. MTV style editing. Yeah, <laughs> you know what by, you know what I mean by that. Yes, you know you have seen MTV when they had music videos. Um, Basically, it just means a lot of quick cuts and a lot of extreme angles and maybe maybe some strobe effects and whatnot. We get you know, a you know what when you see it. We get a few MTV moments in this movie, just a couple, and it's very subtle. Yeah, and it kind of comes out of nowhere too. Yeah, it varies very, very little use, just just a little bit, but it's still there. Yeah, it's not like Saw though, where they made that their brand. Every, yeah. every time somebody is in a torture device, not only do you get like close-ups of the, the gory details, you also get the camera like spinning and like people screaming to the heavens and lots yeah. of flash bulbs going off and lots of uh, finger on chalkboard sound effects and metal scraping noises just to fuck with your senses and whatnot. And then like I always thought it was hilarious that Saw has that theme music that plays at, mm-hmm. the, at the end of every movie. That like I've actually seen it used to very a very good comedic effect or like there's some like really pitiful reveal or something or somebody's like saying something sinister and then they just use that music and all of a sudden it just sounds utterly ridiculous dude i think i've got i i, I think i've got almost enough movies for uh new metal horror month but i i, I just remember a few i remember so saw 2 definitely has a static x song they definitely that like it was for it was like music for the motion the the motion picture uh, and I went back and watched the music video, listened to that song. Oh man, are they bad! Uh, <laughs> holy crap! Um, Ghost Ship, which I want to go back some at some point. There's definitely a Mudvayne song played in the movie. Uh, Gabriel Byrne is listening to it at, at one point in a boat. Um, and then there's one more that I know off the top of my head. I lost it. Oh, uh, Resident Evil definitely has a Slipknot song. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, they yeah. they marketed that movie heavily mm-hmm. based on the soundtrack. I think Marilyn Manson's on there too. Marilyn Manson did that. Yeah, he he did some stuff back then. Uh, in fact, he he may have been involved in the score for it as well. Interesting. Um, 
I think. I could be totally wrong, but, you know, then you also have things like uh, House on Haunted Hill has a little bit of that going on. Ah, there we go. Uh, 13 Ghosts has a little bit of that going I, on. I wanted to say 13 Ghosts, but I wasn't sure. Um, and then I think Pandora might fit into that category as well, but I actually haven't seen that one. I have not seen that one either. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and out myself. I am a Marilyn Manson fan, so... There hey, go. there's nothing wrong with that, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, we're all friends here, Kyle. <laughs> Up to a point, I'm a Marilyn Manson fan. Okay, gotcha. um, yeah, so we we kind of we get our opening shot. We get the baby shots. We see the, the car crash aftermath. We get our Tangerine Dream uh, opening score. Uh, and we just kind of learn about this lady, Sarah. Um, I think she's just kind of sitting in a waiting room. Yeah, uh important details uh it's christmas eve (laughs) yeah christmas eve is you know this is what makes this a christmas film although this is not a christmas film other than a little bit of repetition around it is christmas eve see i was thinking we learned that uh her editor was supposed to come come like six o'clock in the morning was supposed to come get her or something like that but he comes that night and i thought that that was a per like i'm like oh he's gonna be here at 6 a.m the next day that's going to be kind of like the the daybreak, like that's when I'm going to get saved or something. But they don't use that. And I'm like, there was a way to make this a Christmas movie where you kind of think about what people are doing on Christmas Eve or like some people like to open presents at midnight. So you could have had somebody like, well, I'll come over at like 11. We can open up Christmas at midnight, presents at midnight kind of thing. Or having somebody come the next morning and kind of work with those timetables or she's supposed to go to a New Year's Eve dinner or something like that. I could see that working in a horror movie just as far as timing goes. But they don't use it. Well, in some ways, this is like a an anti-Christmas film, but yeah. not not in that it's like <laughs> it, it's against the concept of the holiday or whatever. But yeah. what I mean by that is we have a person who is willfully isolating themselves, um, and then every instance in which they have, you know, an opportunity to you know, have the traditional like gathering of the family and whatnot, they're uh, robbed of it in some. Sp- horrible fashion um, yeah. as we'll as we'll see but um just a couple of important details we do get a couple of lines of dialogue over the cgi fetus to begin the film and we don't know who it's coming from and that's when i when i say we don't know who it's coming from i just kind of blew the mystery right away but yeah. um <laughs> sorry but um basically it, it's just a couple of lines from a woman saying like like i finally have a kid and they're safe within me and nothing can hurt them now and then we see the CGI baby like have a whiplash effect, and then mm-hmm. um, this is a two point five million dollar film, so we don't see a car crash; we just see the aftermath. <laughs> yeah. So we went to the junkyard, we found a couple of busted ass cars, and we uh, dragged them out to some country road. Um, and yeah, uh, we see just a, a couple of minutes here of we don't see who was on the other end of the crash, but we see our uh, our leading ga- lady, uh, Sarah. She is heavily pregnant, and her, I believe, husband is next to her in the vehicle, and he is dead. Uh, his name is Matthew. And uh, I'm sorry, we Kyle and I don't speak French, so mm. we're going to be closely mispronouncing a lot of things in this movie. Probably doing uh, bad just, French accents, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, trying. So more yeah. than likely, we'll use the phrase "piso" at least once, <laughs> just yeah. because it's fun. Yeah, uh, this this continues with the trope that. Um, there's at least one female character who's French in some kind of French film who is vicious. Oh, yeah. No, it that, always that, happens. This is a thing. This is a thing. Um, 
mom. <laughs> this, this is known. <laughs> Megan's mom on uh, Mad Men. They're French Canadian, I believe, uh, but they're still French. Uh, very, they're still very French in the in the show. But her mom is, whew, she is a handful <laughs> and a dick. I, I, I want to say it's a thing because that seems to be a trope in like French storytelling, where there's, I don't know, usually some sort of venomous, usually older woman, brutally person. honest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Diabolique has it. That's like a stereotypical trait of French culture in general. Yeah. Very cutting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, for whatever reason, we get a lot of uh, really, really nasty females. Really, really foul-tempered. They know know your buttons, and they know how to push them. They're not afraid to push that. Oh, they will push them buttons, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so Sarah's in the hospital. Um, She's getting an ultrasound, and I guess she's due very very soon so the doctor tells her that um, they're going to induce her pregnancy like they're they're actually just gonna have the baby probably tomorrow tomorrow morning and so now she needs to get there tomorrow but yeah we have this really awkward exchange in the in the lobby where she's just sitting next to a christmas tree and that's our first indication that this takes place during christmas Mm -hmm. so this is christmas eve and we get this older nurse who sits down next to her and starts smoking next to a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, an older nurse who, I'm sorry, this this woman looks like French Stewart. <laughs> ah, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> she looks just like French Stewart. I thought she looked like Juno, uh, the Maitland's ca- uh, caseworker from Beetlejuice. Um, is there ever a good time to tell a stillborn story? No, Kyle, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe especially not to a woman who's about to give birth. Yeah, spoiler alert, this nurse is like, hmm, I'm gonna I'm gonna light one up while I'm sitting next to you, pregnant woman. And by the way, like, yeah, pregnancies are hard, especially the first one, which I, I'm gonna assume that you're going through right now. Yeah, I've had some kids, had some stillborn ones, it yeah. really sucked. And you know, poor Sarah's just like <laughs> okay, she just like, calls her a twat. <laughs> yeah, basically, like she she does she actually kind of keeps her cool, like but you can tell it's like this is really uncomfortable. But as we'll see later on, um, Sarah's not very quick on her feet right now, so she probably couldn't escape even if she wanted to. Um, hot take: uh, I think that uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg, if this movie was of her caliber, uh, I think she would have killed this. Like she would have she would have crushed it as the uh, titular Sarah. She would have, but I hate to say it, she's probably above the That's what I'm saying. Film, if it, if it were, yeah. If it was a movie, she yeah. But absolutely, she, she could totally kill um, actually either um, of the lead female roles. Oh, damn, I didn't even think about that. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, although, the woman that they got to do this, um, if you even glance at her Wikipedia, she has a resume. Yeah. She is She is. I, I'm like, I was looking at her, I'm like, have I seen her in something? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, I feel like I, I would have to notice her. I feel like, I said that she looks like Eastern European Famke Jansen. Uh, yeah, actually, that's fairly accurate. She looks like uh, Laura Sangiacomo. Um, mm. She was the, the lady from that Just Shoot Me TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. She looks kind of like her, but with a big old gap, gap in her teeth. teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's funny, I really like her. Yeah, yeah, I like her. And th- this actress, uh, I haven't seen, unfortunately, I haven't seen anyone in this movie in anything else. Nothing. And by the way, our, our uh, directors, um, there are two of them. Ah. Uh, uh, Julian Maury and uh, Alexandre Spiro. <laughs> 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 uh, 
they're a they're a duo, and uh, curiously enough, uh, they have directed a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Oh, I but it, it, is it the beginning? No, uh, it is 2017's Leatherface, which I've heard nothing but bad things about. Ooh. Yeah, um, but apparently they've made a few attempts to break into like English language horror. Um, that was like. I believe their first one, but they they did have a couple of gigs lined up that and they ended up pivoting away from because uh, apparently they like having creative control and working with English language productions um, with English language uh, production budgets. Uh, apparently didn't afford them that, so they decided to stay away from that until Leatherface came up, and apparently that movie stinks. So, gotcha. Uh, it seems like they they have some stuff like in the works right now, so they're still working. Clearly, they have some talent, um, but I I haven't seen any of their other films. Just this one. Um, but yeah, uh, we get uh, we get a moment here um, before we leave the hospital that uh, jumped out at me. I put a pin in it, and it ended up coming to nothing. I was actually kind of know, upset about. It. <laughs> I wasn't upset about. It, but I was I was hoping my my keen eye would help me out or something. But no, this is a very straightforward film. Um, we get a uh, like a doctor walking by and telling the older nurse like, "Hey, put out the cigarette, cut that shit." And I thought that maybe that would be the intruder or something because mm-hmm. she seemed like you know she, it was she seemed kind of pissed off that it's like you're smoking next to a pregnant woman, cut it out. And she's also like atypically attractive too. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, I was like, she's gonna be in more of the movie. It's like no, she's just in that one shot. Probably probably like the director's wife or something. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's an Eli Roth move. Oh, yeah, he loves putting his wife in things. Uh, Ex-wife. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, How is he going to make movies in Chile anymore? I I don't know. I think that was like that was how his his career carried on was he got a lot of like tax breaks working in Chile, probably because of her. Yeah, I think it must have been. I don't know if this is true. If this is actually what happened, Tim Burton and uh, Helena Bonham Carter uh, split up. And I'm wondering if it's like, I want to stop putting you in my movies. And that was like the deal breaker because his wife is not, um, Eli Roth's wife is not in the house with the clock on the walls or whatever. Um, so I'm wondering if that's what happened. She's like, you're not going to put me in the movie? Like, no. <laughs> and meanwhile, uh, Ana de Armas is like set to take over the world. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, those two uh, knock-knock gals, one of them moved on to bigger and much, much better things. And the other one... Uh, doesn't get to sleep with Eli Roth. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we leave the hospital and we, we get a kind of a snippy exchange between Sarah and her mother uh, who has come to pick her up. And uh, this is where we see that, yeah, getting around is real tough for Sarah right now. And uh, all we really need to learn from this, this brief scene here is that uh, she and her mom maybe don't see eye to eye on things. And also her mom is kind of, like, urging her to, like, get a dude in her life. Yeah. She's like, hey, what about that one dude? She's like, that's my boss. That's, that's you know, not exactly kosher. Like, maybe in France that's okay. I mean, they have their pr- prime minister who has a side piece or whatever. Nice. And everybody's cool with it because France. France, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's she objects to that. She's like, hey, I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to be fine. And she's like, okay, whatever. Daughter. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, we go to the park, and uh, Sarah's just sitting on a bench, and it looks real fucking chilly out. Uh, doesn't exactly look like like the the color grading here is like 
made to look pretty fucking depressing. Yes. And it doesn't help that she's, like, taking photos. Um, she has a big old Canon camera. Canon got paid, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's taking photos, and uh, the scene that she's taking photos of in the park is, is like, a, a mother and father caring for their, like, little baby in the park, which, you know, the music coupled with the imagery and Sarah's tears tell us that maybe she's got some shit on her mind related to babies. Yeah. <laughs> And the fact that she doesn't have a dude right now. Um, and then uh, we get a funny moment where a dude walks onto the scene and, like, casually sits down next to her. And his demeanor, his behavior here makes it unclear for, a, like, a couple seconds whether or not he knows her. Yeah, that's why I was like, is this, a, is this common in France? Do people just come and sit next to you on a bench? I'm like, can you just do that? Because I'm like, you, we have personal space in America. Like, you sit the fuck... You move down the bench if you're going to sit on the same bench. Or better yet, don't even sit on the bench if I'm sitting on the bench. But yeah, I, I was confused by that too. And then I noticed that he, he he's on the phone, and it sounds like he's like talking about the, the car wreck that she was in, almost. Like he's talking about an incident. And it's not that. I know it's, it's not, not but I, that's what I thought was happening at first. Is it sounds like he's talking about that. And then he keeps, knowing that she's taking pictures, he keeps walking in front of her. I'm like, this guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> Yeah, that's what was kind of fun about this moment, was that it, it's not clear that he knows her until after his phone call's over, and the whole time she's, like, kind of, like, leaning, trying to take pictures around him, pacing back and f- back and forth in front of her, uh, and then eventually he does sit down and talks to her, and uh, it's a, uh, there's a recurring uh, bit of, like, side, like, subplot going on in this film that's actually kind of interesting, and I think it, it adds a just a slight degree of like depth to it where um there are constant allusions to riots going on in the city uh, presumably paris um and this is a thing that's been happening in france for like over a decade now is this this riots happen and uh, it just so happens that I, i remember like probably a few years before this movie came out in fact like there were some like serious riots where a lot of a lot of a lot of property damage, a lot of vehicles blown up and stuff like that, um, involved with largely like the immigrant population in Paris. Like mm-hmm. like I said, this is a ongoing thing, but um, that's actually like a subplot in this movie, and it actually goes to some. It actually helps a little bit to explain like the police element of the story, where it's mm. like they're overworked right now because that makes of the riots. sense. And I thought that was a nice detail because not only is it like a contemporary thing that's familiar to French audiences, it also explains, it allows you to hand wave away some stuff. It's okay. like everybody's shuttered in their homes and, and the police are overworked, so help is not easy to come by right now. Um, so in the situation, like as it arises later on, it, it, it just adds like a slightly, like a thin layer of believability to how things play out. Um, Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, the guy uh, makes it known through, you know, exposition that uh, Sarah used to be like a photojournalist, but because of her pregnancy or that, or the car accident or a combination of both, uh, she's not working right now. But um, he's obviously got a lot going on at the office right now, um, and he he wants her to come back, and she's like, "Hey, I'm kind of busy being pregnant," <laughs> <laughs> and also. Um, we, we didn't mention it, but uh, Sarah has, she's, her face is covered in scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Like, like this car accident didn't happen that long ago. And uh, the makeup effects uh, for just the, the old scars on her face is quite good. Like, yeah. It looks very natural. Um, it's, it's 
kind of an interesting book, especially because uh, nobody ever remarks on it. Like, I don't know if it's uh, maybe yeah. it's like customary in like French culture or something to to not draw attention to details like that. Yeah, that, that'd be polite. Uh, yeah, I'm not that sure would be polite. <laughs> how much longer after the car wreck this is supposed to be. Couldn't have been too long because she looked pretty pregnant when when we see her in the car. Maybe a couple of weeks. Probably like maybe a couple months or like a month or something. Okay, because she was she wasn't as pregnant in the car as she is now. Yeah, but she still had a big old belly and stuff, yeah. which you know means she was somewhat far along. Mm-hmm. And the scar tissue, like it, it's it's pretty fresh, so it wasn't that long ago. I guess is what we're supposed to take away from that. Um, anyway, uh, they make an arrangement where instead of her mom uh, taking her to the hospital to induce the pregnancy and whatnot. She has her boss uh, arranged to pick her up at 6 a.m., like Kyle had mentioned before, um, which brings us to the house where we will remain for the remainder of the film. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, Sarah lives in this big old house by herself, and uh, she goes through like a little bit of some routine stuff. Like she like just kind of settles in and she hangs out on the couch. She has like a a, a kind of a strange phone call with her mother. Where like mm-hmm. her mom's still trying to be like, hey, can I come over? Can I come over, please? I have a Sega. Like, <laughs> it's just like, no, fuck off, mom. No, I have a PlayStation <laughs> Two now. Yeah, uh, it's like we've moved on. We have many on. more bits now. Uh, <laughs> did you notice the lighting? Some of the lighting in here when we first get in there. Uh, throughout the entire movie, uh, I I call it like a, a haze. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, like the interior of her house, it has like a like a like a urine colored amber tone to it mm-hmm. um but moreover the the thing that stands out the most is it looks like there's like smoke in the house all yeah. the time like it looks like there's a, a smoky haze in the air just constantly and maybe they actually shot it that way like with an actual physical element in the room but it looks kind of foggy all the time it looks a little foggy i think it makes uh i think it has a good uh, a cool effect on lighting like instead mm-hmm. of it being crisp it kind of uh, blurs it a little bit and uh it makes things harder to like detail like it's hard to make out details uh but one thing i noticed was that i'm like i don't think she has a light down there there's a light coming from like underneath the table up at her like there. There's, they've positioned the lights just, you know, for the shots, but in doing so, I'm like, I'm noticing, I'm like, that's not where a light goes, guys. Like, come on. But. Yeah, there there are some things like that going on. Like, the way her curtains are laid out is a little bit theatrical. Yeah. Not not how you traditionally would lay out a home. It's like, that, how, how the fuck do you clean your house? Like, like that's, that's a mess. <laughs> but yeah, the, some of the, like, the positions of the lights and just the overall look of it, it doesn't look like, like an ordinary home. But it does give it like an unsettling atmosphere, and as things ratchet up, um, you know, our intruder character is wearing all black and having all these like inky shadows, and like just having that haze in the air makes makes it all the more difficult to, to like make out some of those fine details. So like when when your eyes are darting around the room trying to find something that's maybe going to come at you, uh, it it makes things a little bit more tense. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like a I don't know an oppressive atmosphere it doesn't it doesn't feel like a welcoming home no um and it fits the character too because sarah you know just lost her husband and as we'll see in like in a minute here um she goes up into her dark room and we get this sequence where she's just looking at like photos on her wall that she presumably t- took and uh half of them are like her 
being embraced by her now dead husband and half of them are like her work and we get like a little bit of artistic license here where she has like a fantasy of her dead husband like uh, embracing her from behind and basically we're, we're just being reminded that it's like yeah she's kind of lonely and like misses her guy and uh, credit to the actress um, her name is a uh, what is her name is a Paradis I think uh, Alice Allison Paradis I believe is her name um, she does a bang-up job in this movie mm-hmm. uh, but then we get like an intense dream sequence here <laughs> where yeah. she's uh she's uh, knitting in her chair and Kyle what happens here <laughs> I call it the milk puke dream uh, <laughs> She's doing a she's doing some rocking chair knitting and she starts to like uh like it doesn't I, I'm like is she gonna puke but it's not really clear if she's gonna puke but she starts like coughing a little bit and then she ends up puking on the floor it's all it's all milky it's all uh, like she's an android and uh, and then some blood starts coming out and then she starts puking the baby out and I'm like okay we're dreaming and then she wakes up and there's a knock at the door yeah uh, it starts off you start thinking like maybe it's like pregnancy related like she's you know got like morning sickness or something um but yeah it quickly escalates into something uh a little more than that and mm-hmm. damn kyle you just uh you just planted a seed in my mind that um as we're talking about things please call out any observations you make but i told you before we recorded um i referred to a scene towards the very end of the film as being directly influenced by aliens mm-hmm. more than likely this is very reminiscent of Ripley's nightmare in the beginning of Aliens, the kill me sequence when the chest burster comes out of her. Um, Even like right down to the sweat all over her like tousled hair and whatnot. Yeah, I just rewatched that a couple weeks or a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and even the milk puking, you know, makes me think of Bishop. (laughs) Makes me think of Bishop. (laughs) So, you know, any any connections to Aliens you can make as we're talking about this, please call them out because I have at least one more. (laughs) <laughs> so we'll see if we can bump that up to three instead yeah. of two. Um, but yeah, she gets a knock at the door. And um, do you remember how this plays out, Kyle? Yeah, she she gets a knock at the door, and she's like, uh, I mean, it's some loud knocking. And she's like, who is it? And she's he's like, just let me in. And he's like, well, why? He's like, I need to I need to make a phone call. She's like, ask somebody else. She's like, please. Like, we'll use your own cell phone. She's like, well, I don't have it. The battery's dead. She's like, listen, there's other houses. My husband's asleep. I don't want you coming in. And the lady, uh, the lady's like, please, Sarah, let me in. And like, oh, fuck, she knows her name. Uh, and then the lady, I like how she tries to reason with her. Um, she's like, how do you know my name? She's like, let me in and I'll tell you. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm not going to let you in. Uh, she keeps pounding on the door and she says she's going to call the police. Um, and she, she, goes, she goes away for a little bit. Yeah, uh, she, she goes away for a little bit, but then... Uh the intruder reemerges at the uh, sliding like glass door window mm-hmm. uh, in the living room, and we get a really cool sequence here where, instead of like making a big show of it and like you know running around the house screaming and like throwing things at the house and trying to break in, uh, the intruder just stands there, and you can see their silhouette perfectly, and they're just immobile. Um, and eventually, Sarah. Uh, picks up her camera, her trusty gigantic Canon camera, mm-hmm. and uh, starts using the flash and tries to take pictures of, of the person. And uh, the person starts uh, smoking. They light up a cigarette. And we can't quite make out the details of their face. We see uh, quite a bit, but like the, the way the shadows lay on their face, you can't quite make out who it is. And at first I was thinking it was the older nurse. I because did too. Smoking. 
um, and you know it you can tell from the the wrinkles on the face and just the structure of the face that it's definitely a woman and it's definitely an older person not not a very young woman like our protagonist mm-hmm. uh, who I believe was like 23 when they made this um, but uh, before they take off though the intruder uh, lays some knuckles into the mm-hmm. glass and yes. uh, puts a big old crack in there it's like dude like didn't you ever see Terminator? Didn't you ever hear Lance Henriksen talk about uh, what was it PCP and punching through windshields? Yeah, <laughs> this girl's got this lady's got like Amanda Nunes power, I'm like yeah. punching through this thing. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, uh, she if she really applied herself, I I believe she could have gotten through, but she decides yeah. not to. Uh, so this is a little bit of a, a game at this point. So the intruder leaves, and uh, Sarah ends up calling the cops but she also uh takes her photos and has them developed up in her dark room and i was kind of thrown by that for a second because i was looking at the canon camera and i was like i thought that was a digital camera (laughs) 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 but whatever i'm sure it wasn't like the the, i'm sure the filmmakers know better than i do but um she goes and she puts her hair up in a a fashionable bun and um she uh i kind of dig that look by the way (laughs) looks nice um and uh, she uh, develops the photos, and she discovers that, uh, one, she can't quite make out the person's face through the glass. Um, she sees it about as clearly as we do. Um, and two, uh, she sees that more than likely that person is visible in one of her photos she, that she was taking at the park earlier. Uh, so whoever this is, they, uh, they've been casing her for a little while. Um, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it, it's a small detail, but it's kind of neat where it's like, oh, shit, now I really got to worry about this person. It, dude, um, it makes a lot more sense that it took the police this long to show up. I mean, she called the police. I'm like, generally you get a good 10, 15-minute turnaround, uh, especially in a you know a major area. It, it, it's a, quite a while until they show up, but it makes sense that there's riots going on. Yeah, I mean, she makes the phone call in front of the intruder and... Uh, even throws out there hey by the way i'm pregnant <laughs> so put a, put the step on the gas yeah <laughs> um but yeah uh, she has enough time to develop some photos before the cops show up and they show up and it's really funny because this is a uh, you know a, a cultural difference i guess um the cops here look like uh ups workers mm-hmm. uh, whereas our cops don't look like ups workers <laughs> no um they they look like uh robocop basically yeah um they're armored to shit um but yeah these people just show up with some casual coats and ball caps um and there's even a gal among them a lady cop and uh they come in they they case the place they uh, reassure her and uh, basically say uh yeah we couldn't find a sign of the person but we're gonna send a car later on to check on you just in case um but they i think they also re- reiterate that uh you know there's some riots and shit going on so yeah, we're kind of busy. Uh, yeah, we're kind of busy, but, you know, like we promise you we'll come back. And sure enough, they do. Um, but anyway, Sarah's like, you know, I guess I feel secure enough to go to bed. Absolutely not. Sure. 100% I know, no. I, I know. That's yeah. what I thought. But, you know, I'm also not nine months pregnant. So maybe. Go maybe to win- anybody else. I'm sorry if you don't get along with your mom. Go to your mom's house. I, I think that's probably why they had those scenes with her mom earlier is to reinforce the fact that it's like even even Mm-mm. in this kind of situation she's just not prepared to do that if somebody if i'm sitting here right now and somebody's standing outside my window and smashes it 
I and then I call the cops and that person just runs off. I'm like, we're going someplace else, 100. percent We're gonna go stay in a hotel tonight. And that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, Kyle. Kyle would be the the uh, the gal in uh, what the 90s Night of the Living Dead that just says, "Hey, you know they're pretty slow. I think we could make it if we run." Yeah. <laughs> and then he does just that, <laughs> and everyone else stays in the house. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she uh, she decides to go to bed, and uh, she puts on a nice like evening gown, and she's in bed, and uh, holy fuck, Mm-mm. what's that? Oh, we missed something. What uh, did we miss? She watches TV for a little bit. Ah, she uh, she hangs out, and watches a little TV, and she gets a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's her mom or her editor. I can't remember. Um, I think it was her editor, and okay. she leaves a message with him. There, yeah, she gives him a call. She wants to get something developed. Uh, we get this. I, I really like this. We get a like a background shot. Like we we're close up on uh, Sarah, but we're like kind of panning back, and we see behind her the lady standing in the doorway, and she just kind of inches back into the darkness. Wow, I did not catch that. Oh, you did! It's I don't, I don't know how I missed that, but I, yeah, I'm glad Oof. you pointed that out. Yeah, I missed it. It's worth going back and checking out. It's it's pretty bitching. Yeah, she just just kind of stand there in the background, and just. Kind of goes back to all you can see is just a little silhouette of her face. Like you can see her face just faintly. It's it's very cool. Cool. That's like, why I, I was kind of bummed the way this movie switches gears because I'm like they do such a good job of making like setting up the the lady to be like kind of enigmatic, like she's just kind of in the shadows. And I thought that was kind of how it was gonna go for a little while. But you're right. Next scene, we just go right into it. Yeah, we we go balls to the wall from from the moment things hit the like hit the fan. It it. Basically, the fan just keeps on spinning and spewing mm-hmm. shit all over the place. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, she goes to bed, and uh, sure enough, our intruder just appears standing over her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't we don't ever get an explanation as to how they got in the house, uh, especially so quietly. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, they always really find a way in. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really not a question you need to concern you with uh, yourself with. Um, this is before, happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is happening, you're, and you're in it, so just yeah. have fun with it. Shut up. <laughs> but um, before things really get going, though, uh, the intruder, who, by the way, is wearing, like, a long black dress with high black heels, uh, not, like, stilettos, but high heels, and a, a corset of some sort that if, was kind of pissing me off for a minute. If you're familiar with Downton Abbey, uh, she's dressed like Mrs. O'Brien. Or Miss O'Brien. Uh, she's got, like, the same black... Like the black, the same black outfit. Okay, um, but yeah, it it looks like an antiquated gown of some sort with with some sort of corset, which mm-hmm. thankfully she removes pretty shortly. Because um, I, I have a thing when it comes to women in like uh, action or physical roles, where it's like I really hate seeing women dressed inappropriately for those kinds of roles. It it just irks me because I know that the person having to perform that is having the deck stacked against them where it's like you're making their job so much harder by Ooh. having them have to move around on goofy heels and stuff I was gonna like say, that. doesn't little scarjo doesn't she doesn't she black widow around in some heels she does in some of those movies and it does bother me because i do notice it and even uh what's her face uh gamora um mm. she like her her outfit i think it's because chris pat pratt is very tall for an actor like her boots have these like space heels built into them gotcha. <laughs> that it, it's very distracting to me because it's like you know you're doing flips you're jumping around you're swinging swords and 
You also got to deal with those goofy heels. You are going to roll an ankle. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I am sorry. Sp- like, Space Ninja or not, you are going to roll an ankle. You're going to roll that thing. <laughs> Imagine that. The fate of the universe decided by you rolling your ankle before you could cut off Thanos' head. <laughs> God damn it. I would be so pissed if I saw that happen. Um, but anyway, uh, our intruder lady, she uh, she just kind of hovers above the, the sleeping pregnant woman, Sarah. Um, but then she, like, excuses herself from the room and starts futzing around in the bathroom and, like, finds, like, a jar of alcohol and some scissors. Uh, very important prop uh, for the entirety of the film. She, she does some sniffing of some clothes. Yes. She finds some baby clothes that I believe are still in the wrapper. That's weird. Because um, the baby hasn't been born yet, so, like, you're not going to unwrap that shit. But, yeah, she, she does some huffing of yeah. some baby clothes. Um, so we can tell this lady has the baby madness. Yeah. She's all about that. Uh, but then she comes back, and uh, she gets to business. <laughs> uh, she uh, she dips those scissors into alcohol, into the jar. And then uh, this is how, like, I love the, the tone setter here, where the, the very first instance of, like, on-screen violence in the film kind of tells you right out, like, like get ready, folks, it's going to get loud. Like, this isn't going to be ordinary violence. This is going to be, like, elevated violence mm. in some fashion, where this is atypical violence for any movie, let alone a horror movie. Um, but, yeah, she she pulls up Sarah's nightgown, and uh, she sticks the scissors into her, her belly button. Mm-mm. I don't like that. I don't like it at yeah. all. <laughs> that, that's what I liked about this, Kyle. Um, and I'll explain as we go, but... Um, Sarah, of course, wakes up because she's having, you know, a metal instrument put into her fucking belly button, which if you've ever put your finger into your belly button, that feels weird. It does feel weird. Like you get some you get some weird nerve twitches in your groin and stuff like like there's a lot. There's like a nerve cluster or something there that it touches like you touch that. It's like a it's literally like pressing a button. Like like you feel weirdness all over. Um, yeah, you break yeah, up I pretty can't quick. Imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would feel like to have that part of you like punctured in well, capacity. And like, it, I think I don't, maybe if you have like an injury or something, but I'm not sure what it's like being pregnant. Uh, I never will. <laughs> I, but I feel like at this point you have a sense of like um, like an instinct to guard your stomach. Like just whenever like if somebody's like running next to you, you're like, oh, careful! Like I might fall down and fall on my stomach. So I feel like having somebody sticking a, a, a pair of scissors into your belly button would just shoot like shoot you out of bed. Like that would be pretty fucking terrifying. Oh yeah, no. I mean, this could have been a very short movie because she could have sat up and just driven the snapped thing her fucking her. neck too. <laughs> <laughs> just Steven Zagalder. Really. Yeah. Just, like, well, I mean, you know, mom strength. Like she, she hasn't yeah. quite given birth yet, but mom strength is real. You know, <laughs> like we. Like, we've all read stories about ladies flipping cars and stuff because there was a baby in distress or something. Uh, throat so, rip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get a MacGruber throat rip in there. <laughs> Going for the turkey. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, she stabs Sarah, and then Sarah, of course, wakes up and, like, bolts out of bed, or at least tries to, and oof, uh, the scissors get pulled out of her and in an in a upward swinging motion they go across both of sarah's lips mm-hmm. and she gets a nasty vertical scar across her mouth that she'll keep throughout the entirety of the film it's a it's pretty gruesome 
Uh, but Sarah gets her wits about her, and uh, she takes off and does the the slasher movie thing, where you grab whatever you mm-hmm. got, like you grab whatever uh, foreign object, so it turns into an ECW match. No <laughs> steel chairs, handy, but she does find a lamp and she slams it into the intruder's face. Uh, I, this made me realize something. Uh, I was trying to explain to my girlfriend what a Chelsea grin was. Uh, that is where you, you know what a Chelsea grin is, where you slice. Yeah. So I guess it was from uh, originated in Scotland, Glasgow. I Glasgow smile. Glasgow smile. Apparently, what you do is you'd slice the uh, sides of the cheek, and then you would torture the person so that when they screamed, it would it would open up more. I think that's what the Joker has. I think that. Uh, that, I don't know. I, it kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, the Joker has a, a, a Chelsea Chelsea grin. Well, I mean, it helps that your uh, your director of the Dark Knight is British, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan, and Heath Ledger is Australian. But um, I know a lot of. I I actually have a book about the the making of the whole trilogy, uh-huh. and most of the early design sketches for the character were based on punk rock. So. Mm. Yes, I, I'm sure that they were well aware of that and probably influenced by you know all the stories and images that came out of like gang violence in you know Scotland and presumably other parts of England as well. Sorry, that that it was a uh, just something I realized the other day when I was thinking about like holy shit, that's why he's got the scar- that's how he got those scars. You ever heard of a Chelsea grin? Yeah. Uh, well, and he's also he's also the Joker too. So like maybe he maybe the, the voice. <laughs> Well, no, like maybe the voice he's doing in the Dark Knight is like, "Hang on, you're from where?" <laughs> it's like, it's like actually, this isn't my real speaking voice. It's just, it's just like I'm hit. weird like that. It's like it turns out he's from like South Africa or something. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just thought American accents sounded fun, so he decided to do one. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to derail us there, but yeah, she picks up a lamp and uh, she gets a good. Uh, she fucks her up with a coffee pot. Like she hits her inside with a lamp, uh, which like I feel like that could punk, like that could really like smash your eardrum if you get like a good like a good pop in there. Oh yeah, no, like she. I think she gets some porcelain lodged in her scalp. Um, mm. That it's not too gruesome, but it's enough to put her out long enough to allow Sarah to scuttle away to the the bathroom upstairs uh, where get she the fuck remain. out of the house <laughs> pregnant man we, yeah. uh, i thought they did a pretty good job of setting that up where she has two walking scenes with both her mom and her editor uh and both her of them, back she's just she's like yeah. holding her front and her back and she is moving real slow yeah um so yeah she's just not in a position to run out the house uh, like she kind of just crawls to the bathroom essentially mm-hmm. like hurriedly but she she's not capable of moving very quickly chop chop yeah um but yeah we get like a pretty cool scene here where she like well cool is the wrong word <laughs> like, she, she she uh we see sarah like look and look at herself in the mirror and see you know that her new scar on top of her old scars and again credit to the the performer like oof, she uh, she sells it it's and it's pretty awful like she can tell she's just like not in a not in a good way like her her mental and she's emotional frazzled yeah you know. yeah she she's she's in she's going through a lot right now uh yeah you've got a dead dead husband my mom sucks uh i've got a lady in my house who just tried to stab me in the stomach um and i'm sliced across the face and then i thought her water was breaking but yeah. she pees a little bit it might be it might be either one of those. I thought it was her water breaking as well. I did because there was a little bit of blood, and I'm like, I, that kind of makes sense. But also, she's dripping blood, so I thought maybe it was just pee. So I wasn't really sure. 
I thought her water broke. Um, we'll we'll get something grislier. A little bit later <laughs> I was on. like, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there's plenty of grisliness in this movie, and this may as well be a good time. I actually meant to do this at the top of the recording, but I was telling you about Joe Bob Briggs, mm. and, uh, his old uh, TNT Monster Vision show. And uh, Joe Bob used to do a thing. I don't know if he's still doing it. Maybe he is, because you told me he has a show on the Shutter Network. Yeah, right he's now, still right? doing it. Um, he used to do a thing on Monster Vision before he introduced the movie where he would construct a list of all the awesome and or grisly things you would see in the film. And so I did one for my myself for Inside, just for fun, uh, because this movie's very gory. <laughs> uh, so uh, in the Joe Bob Briggs style, uh, you will see seven dead bodies, eight if you include computer-generated fetuses. <laughs> one head explosion, one immolation, one improvised amateur cesarean section, multiple stabbings, and <laughs> one instance of male genital mutilation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I concur. <laughs> yes, in this film, Inside. Um, but we also cut back to the intruder, and we see that she uh, she throws like a little bit of a temper tantrum mm-hmm. in the hallway, and she like even runs downstairs and everything, and she puts like a rag up against her head. Um, but yeah, every time she gets injured in this movie, I, th- I thought it was it, it doesn't add up to anything, honestly. But I thought it was really fascinating that she, she her behavior like she reverts to that of like a child. Yeah, like, she's very whenever, whenever she's harmed. Yeah, she turn yeah it turns into a tantrum a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought it was a nice detail. Like I said, it doesn't really amount to anything. Um, I thought she was raiding. Where... She's in the kitchen and she pops off that corset. I thought she was raiding the fridge. I'm like, that's a good. Like she's settling in. Like she's gonna do some work. Like I gotta carp up. That's actually what I thought was gonna happen. Like I <laughs> thought like she was giant. gonna like pour pour herself a glass of orange juice and just like kind of like go. <sighs> Jack Black and Saving Silverman just eating cold spaghetti out of the fridge. Oh. Oh, have you not seen that movie? I have. And you just, like, a sense memory just came back. Because that's just not pleasant to watch. Yeah, him eating. No one should see anybody eating spaghetti. It's not sexy. No, (laughs) no. Spaghetti on film just looks nasty. Like, it looks awful. Yeah. But um, this is where we get, like, a Hitchcockian sequence that's very cool. And thankfully not not stretch too far. Mm -hmm. Like, they kind of make it pretty snappy. Um, and that's why I mean by a very immediate film, where it d- it, the scenes don't go on too long, and we're like the tension is it's ratcheted up, and it never really strays from that point for too much uh, for the remainder of the film. But uh, the editor uh, comes by, um, so the guy who was supposed to come by in the morning uh, was that? Oh, sorry, I was waiting for you. Uh, this threw me off because I'm like, he's supposed to be there at six. I'm like, did I miss something? I'm like, did I? Did he say six p.m. and he was running late? And then he said that he was headed to a hall, he was headed to a Christmas Eve dinner. I'm like, okay, it, it kind of it threw me off at this point. Yeah, uh, he was supposed to come by in the morning, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I, I think he's the one that her uh, that Sarah's mother was like kind of alluding to. So maybe maybe there's like a little bit of an attraction or something going on. Maybe there's something going on there. Maybe something, but Sarah's not ready for it if if there is anything going on. But he might have thrown her a bone in the past, if you know what I mean. I mean, he makes a move here on the intruder that suggests he is he's down for stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't really matter with who. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um also you need to remember that he called her. Mm-hmm. He said, I have some photos I need I need for you to have enlarged because someone came by my house, uh, I'm scared, and I can't quite make out their face in these photos. 
So I'm guessing he got the voicemail and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, probably that's serious. I should come by and see if she's okay. Um, and sure enough, he, he was given the keys because he was supposed to come by in the morning. So he lets himself in and the intruder is on like the ground floor and she just kind of like steps out into the living room to greet him. Mm-hmm. And his reaction is to assume. Uh, what was the quote from Under Siege 2? Assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a brilliant Gill. film. <laughs> It, it truly is. I've, I've always carried that quote with me. <laughs> Assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. Um, and he assumes that the intruder, dressed in all black, mm-hmm. big old gap in her teeth, looking sinister as fuck, is her mother. Well, to be on, I mean, to be fair, they both have dark hair. Uh, I don't think they look alike, but I could, I mean, you can believe it. Maybe her body language would say otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he makes a big old party foul here, and he just assumes that this is the mother that I've heard so much about. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he sits down on the couch, and they just get to chatting. And we keep cutting back and forth between uh, Sarah, like, listening in. And, again, credit to the performer. She is an emotional wreck right now. And you can, you can kind of see that she's, like, trying to scream or trying to call out or something, but she just she needs a whistle. can't. Yeah, yeah, that would, that would be very handy, right? She needs a Titanic whistle, yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't have one. Um, I'm glad you knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, we get this moment where he's just sitting on the couch with the intruder, and she's. She, I think he makes the mistake of saying, oh, you must be Sarah's mom. And she's like, yes, yeah. yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. um, but she says, please have a drink with me. And uh, they they just talk about Sarah and the pregnancy and stuff, and like uh, she plays up the role of being the mom. And at one point, he puts his hand on her knee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she very she quickly like up. get yeah she jumps the fuck up. But I was like, dude, come on, man. I, I don't know if he was making a move. I think maybe just culturally, you can you can give a little. His, his body leg. language suggests he was expecting something. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe because he looks a little put out. He's like, yeah. well. Fuck, I tried. <laughs> but he also, um, at this point, as she's leaving the room, presumably to like refill his drink or something, uh, the photos that Sarah had taken are still on the table. And he starts flipping through those because you know that's what you do. You, if you fuck up in that way, you gotta like pretend like, oh, you know, my hand just went in that direction because I was reaching for photos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he starts looking at him, and he sees one of the photos that has the intruder in it. And he's like, hmm, that is kind of what I was called about earlier. And he yeah. starts verbalizing his thought process. Probably not a good idea when the person's still in the room. <laughs> yeah, and then the mom just barges in uh, out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, shit, I guess she was supposed to come over. And she just comes in, who the fuck are you two? What the fuck are you doing in here? And the and the, uh, the editor's like, well, who the fuck are you? Like, what are you doing in here? She's like, I'm her mother. And he's like... Wait a minute. If you're <laughs> her mother, then who are you? Like, <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> Jean Pierre is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, yeah, you this just start suddenly swinging, turns dude. In, it like briefly turns into an episode of Frasier. Yeah, <laughs> it turns into an open door farce. Open door farce. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, mom comes barging in, and he's uh, he's trying to figure out the situation. It's, he's taking his sweet time doing it. And uh, mom, 
marches upstairs and starts. She's like, open this door, young lady. And Sarah, in the meantime, has armed herself with, uh, is this like a knitting needle of some sort? Yeah, sorry. Like a crocheting I'm, needle? I'm thinking of the scenario of Fraser and Niles. Like, Fraser, is this your corset in the, uh, in the, in the kitchen? Niles, I don't, I don't have a corset. Uh, I believe that one lady had a corset on, perhaps. Like. Oh yeah, and just like put Lilith in there at some point, make some mention yeah. of Maris, and uh, maybe that. Oh, instead of a cat, which we have in this movie, you have you have the little dog running around as well. Niles, good <laughs> Niles, good dad. There's a woman bleeding in the bathroom. <laughs> oh God! Niles. Oh God! <laughs> the <laughs> the <tiling>. blood. <laughs> <laughs> like my leather upholstery is ruined. Well, Niles, I don't agree with this track lighting that they have in here. <laughs> we live in Seattle. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, Mom is banging on the door, and like I said, Sarah has armed herself with some sort of needle. Um, yeah. I believe it's for it, knitting. It's knitting, yeah. Yeah. And uh, without thinking, as soon as the door opens, uh, Sarah just takes a swing. Oop, and there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she Dude, puts this thing horizontally through mom's throat. This mom has a Wednesday Adams death. Uh, remember in the play where the blood is Ow. gushing? <laughs> it's oh, fucking fantastic. <laughs> she Bravo! doesn't have any. <laughs> Bravo! Bravo! That's all she I could think of, yeah. She doesn't have any dialogue, but yeah, she lets out some gurgly, like blood curdling. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she has uh, some. Uh, Japanese samurai movie, uh, blood hoses going through her throat, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, blood sprays all over the place, and she stumbles down the hallway. Meanwhile, Jean-Pierre is uh, coming up the stairs, uh, and like a fucking dunce, he puts his back to this mystery woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just goes up the stairs with, with paying no mind to the woman in black. Woman in black! Yeah. <laughs> like... Start choking, dude. <laughs> yeah, for real. And uh, he gets it. Yeah. He gets it probably worse than anyone in this movie, except for maybe towards the very end. How does she stop? How does she stop him first? Because she definitely goes for his gooch next. Like she definitely goes for the cock and balls. I mean, in my breakdown, I did say one instance of male genital mutilation. The, um, yeah, the important part is that his balls are gone. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're obliterated. They, they are. They, yes. Yeah, she she takes a pair of scissors and turns them into a, a uh, ninja blender, mm. uh, not yes. just an ordinary blender, one with some RPMs behind it. Two French <laughs> balls chopped finely. Yes. <laughs> uh, she starts by stabbing him behind the kneecap. Okay, yeah, that would that would drop me too. Yeah, yeah that that would drop most of us guys. <laughs> but uh, he falls on his back and uh, she stabs him in the sinus cavity beneath the eye. Oh. And then I believe she does said genital mutilation. So she mm-hmm. rams those scissors into his gooch, as you put it. Yeah. Um, and then the, the final blow is a slash across the throat. Um, and amazingly enough, I don't believe he's dead yet. <laughs> no, somehow. Well, yeah, she's somehow. stabbing him in an area where you have giant blood, like you have giant arteries in this area. So pretty much any stabbing, uh, any kind of. Uh, puncture or laceration or any bleeding down in this area is pretty much lights out after a few minutes. Yeah, um, but she drags him down the stairs and uh, he wakes up at unexpectedly and so she puts a pillow over his face and she stabs through it and then uh, because it's that kind of movie the pillow comes off his face so we actually have to see what happened. Yes, of course. Eyeball. Uh, 
so it went through his glasses and his eyeball. Um, good for Jean-Pierre. He deserved that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, meanwhile, I believe this is where uh, Sarah is trying to get out of the bathroom. And uh, she's taken a, I believe it's like a, a piece of broken mirror. Like she breaks the mirror in the bathroom. Yeah. And, oh, the whole time I was watching her handle this, I was like, oh, God, lady, your hands. Well, the so she's locked the door, and we have a little off and on, uh, the lady trying to bust down the door, which I feel like she could do. I, this one lock, it, it, I feel like it, there's just screws in there. Just keep kicking. You'll get the, you'll get in there. It's not hard. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she. We keep coming back and forth. But I think the lady starts digging the scissors into the into the door, trying to do like a here's Johnny, and yeah. she sees her and. Uh, and Sarah punches the mirror, which is pretty badass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice haymaker, and then she gets uh, she gets a nice big piece of glass, um, which seems very dangerous. I might want to wrap that in a towel or something, otherwise you're going to slice your hand open. Yeah. Um, but yeah, long story short, uh, Sarah ends up getting a th- the knitting needle that was put through her mom's throat, mm-hmm. put through like her arm, like her forearm, I believe, and uh, it's pretty grisly. Yeah. Um, but this is where we get our uh, aforementioned MTV editing, where the intruder is frustrated because Sarah's back in the bathroom and she can't get to her again. Um, <laughs> she throws a little day. tantrum. <laughs> she throws a little tantrum. She has a smoke, and then we get a whole bunch of jump cuts, and things get really trippy for just a, just a few seconds. Yeah. And it comes out of nowhere. Um, but then uh, we get we get some uh, harm done to an animal. Yeah, I didn't watch this. The cat dies. Move on. Yeah, some some people don't handle that kind of stuff very well. I know yeah. my my brother. Uh, there's like a there's a website you can go to that actually tells you um, if harm comes to animals in films. I forget what's called. Milo and Otis. Oh, I mean that entire film. That's that is that film. That it's, is it's, death. That movie is death. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a Japanese film that they dubbed in English. Like, you know, that's a Japanese film. I thought it was a British film. No, it's it's a Japanese film that they dubbed in English. Oh, that um, the making of it, it's been well documented. Many animals were harmed. Wow! Um, that that bear that. and that dog were really put put up against each other. And Ooh. you know, there's a scene where a cat goes off a like a cliff. The, you know, it's Japan. You know, certain regulations they just do we not don't have. Up. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the uh, the um, I believe it's Ryzen uh, mixed martial arts league? I have not. It's also called the Steroid League because they, ha- they give no fucks. You, okay. they, they will give you steroids. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, certain, certain regulations in Japan are very loose, and I guess animals um, in the 70s or whatever, they gave no fucks. Yeah, but we get a I, – unfortunately, I didn't watch this, but I had, the sub, well, I had subtitles, and it just saw bones cracking. I'm like, God damn it. All right. But, yeah, the cat gets it. Yeah, uh, cute cat too it's a black yeah, cat yeah it's a cute cat cute yeah. um but yeah sarah is kind of alone in the bathroom trying to figure shit out she has this piece of glass uh, or piece of mirror rather that she's armed herself with but at this point she's not sure what to be doing with it um, meanwhile the intruder uh, has to deal with some cops who are rolling up I, I, yeah, she, she has to deal with some cops i think they have a little exchange here and she's just like what do you want she's like your baby and this is where I have written down. Oh, she's baby crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's. Um, just, it needs to be said. There's. There's not a whole lot of like. Uh, 
depthful dialogue in this Mm-mm. film. It's mostly just like incidental, like people just like utterances. Not, yeah. Not not really any important dialogue exchanges. But yeah, I guess that would be one. Although at this point, it should be pretty clear what what the fuck is going on. Um, I I misunderstood what the cops said earlier. I thought they said they were going to have someone call every couple of hours just to check up on her. But what they said, apparently, what they said was they're going to have uh, some cops come check on her a little bit later. Uh, so I was kind of confused by this because I'm like, are these like they have a guy in the back seat? I'm like, are these just thugs? Do they just have like a rival like a rival thuggery? And they've got one of the dudes in the back. And then they say they're off-duty cops. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you got three off-duty cops. You got like this 15-year-old kid in the back. And they're going to check on the lady. And this, I, I kind of like this this sequence. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, everything dealing with the cops is very tense and very well-constructed. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's really neat. Well thought out. Like, very well thought out. This was somewhat unexpected. Like when, when they said there was riots going on and, and, you know, the police are overworked, I was just kind of assuming that... Actually, before uh, Jean-Pierre, the editor, was killed, um, like you, I was actually kind of thinking that was going to be the like the the hope, like the potential like like ray of hope at the end of things was mm-hmm. that like if she can hold out until six a.m., she'll get somebody coming by the house or whatever. Um, but he was killed early on, and that's that's a a good thing to do uh, from a structure standpoint because it removes that sense of hope where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, what now? Um, but yeah, these uh, these dutiful cops, they show up, and uh, there's three of them. There's two older guys and one young guy, and it uh, needs to be said, the young guy, uh, he gets a phone call from, like, his girlfriend, and he has to, like, reassure her and stuff, and she seems like she's, like, really, I don't know, high-strung or something. Yeah, um, you can have that. It's, it, it's pointless. It doesn't contribute anything to the plot, but I'll, I'll get to why I bring that up a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, they have this young guy in the back with them who they're all kind of like hassling. Like they're, they're not being awful to him, but they're not treating him especially well. Yeah. Um, And it needs to be said, he's, he's like, I don't know, um, Middle Eastern, I believe. And it just so happens that, you know, there's riots going on. And like I said, at this point in French history, in real life, like that was largely the population that was involved in a lot of these riots, or at least were blamed for these kinds of riots and stuff. Vincent Cassell movie uh, La Haine is mm. uh, pretty good. It kind of touches on these to- on this topic. Um, oh yeah, no, racial discrimination in France is it's well documented. Like they're pretty brazen about it, to be honest. And mm-hmm. like they they do have like kind of like ghetto districts where a lot of a lot of racial minorities kind of get pushed into and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's presumed that this guy is involved in some of the, like the damage yeah. to public property or something although we don't actually know if he did anything but it seems like they think he did yeah um <clears throat> anyway the two cops uh, the two older guys uh they go to the door uh and in response the uh, the intruder she pulls a a small bookshelf in front of the bathroom door to keep sarah from getting out basically yeah I, at first i was like what why would like, she's not going to leave the, the bathroom. Like she's already had the opportunity to leave the bathroom. Why would you think she's going to leave? It makes sense. Now, now start reality starting to set in. She's like, I got to keep this broad in the bathroom because now we got cops. Yeah, and it's positioned in such a way where the the door handle you can't you can't mm-hmm. push it down to to open the door. Um, so Sarah's stuck in there, and uh, this is where she starts using the broken piece of glass to like carve a mm-hmm. hole into the door. Thank, thank God for shittily constructed doors. <laughs> yeah, this thing looks like a piece of crap. Yeah, it's like a couple of pieces of particle board with some, like, 
cardboard in between for insulation or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's trying to make a hole so she can get her hand outside of it. But uh, the intruder answers the door, and the two officers are like, oh, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Good night. Yeah. Top notch. They start to walk back to the car, but then the one guy stops, and we don't hear what he's saying, but they go back. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was kind of cool. Yeah, this is um, good. Because they actually do say this in the car before they head to the door that oh we were told to check out this house because there's a pregnant woman that's in danger or something or had an intruder earlier and then yeah. the two guys go back to the door and they kind of instead of like standing in the door frame they kind of like move in on her and yeah. kind of like without touching her they kind of force her into the house and they come in with her uh and one of them is wise to the fact that she doesn't have a, a belly like she doesn't look she right identifies right. she identifies herself as the woman who they're supposed to be checking on yeah exactly and so credit to them they're they're sharp mm -hmm. uh, so the, the yeah. one the one guy gets behind her and and is told to restrain her while the other one runs upstairs to see what's going on because he can hear sarah banging around up there um and then things turn real ugly real fast because yes. uh, the cop that's downstairs with the intruder she has a, a needle i believe uh Mm -hmm. kind of like stowed away and uh, she whips around and I think she puts it in his eyeball um, yeah <laughs> he's at yeah, a he's at a severe disadvantage after the uh, after the puncture yeah and I believe some throat trauma is done as well but uh, long story short he is dead um, yes fat cop gets it fat cop gets and now, it <laughs> and now she has a handgun ho 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 <laughs> And yeah, uh, she puts it to use almost immediately. And actually, like, shot. Like the, yeah, headshot, headshot. And what's the other one from Run Real Tournament? Holy shit! <laughs> uh, yeah, she puts it to use very quickly. And I actually like the pacing of these kills, where it's like bam, bam, just like dead, dead. Like, like it's, fuck. It's like it's very impactful because yeah, it's like you go from being very hopeful to just like in an instant. Whoa. Well, unfortunately, uh, I read, I had to rent this on iTunes, and they give way too much of a little summary. Like, they tell you basically what's going to happen. They're like, this Aww. lady has an intruder that comes, and then she leaves, and then she makes her way into the house, and then Sarah's stuck in the bathroom, and then this lady just keeps killing people that are going to help her. I'm like, Jesus, iTunes, like, save, save something for the show. Like, I know exactly what's going to happen now. So I'm like... Jeez. So part of me was just like, man, you're, you're kind of bummed that they're not helping, but I'm like, that I know it's not going to happen. Like, she's just going to run through these dudes. Well, and part of what makes it neat is, like I said, those cops came across for a, for however little screen time they had. They came across as, like, competent people. Yeah. Like, they didn't come across as just horror movie victims. They came across as, like, actual competent police officers. And uh, when they're killed so quickly, it's like, oh, no, that's mm. not good. That's not <laughs> good at all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, sure enough, uh, our our second cop, bald cop, uh, he gets into the bathroom and he's like trying to console Sarah, and coming up behind him, the intruder takes that gun that she got from Fat Cop, puts it to the back of his head, and we get a juicy head explosion. Yes. It's not a high quality head explosion. You can tell the prop wasn't like of the best quality, and something about the lighting just looks weird where it's like, whoa, hey, did we like cut to the, the alternate dimension for a second where, a he where heads explode freely? Um, but it's still a fucking head explosion. Yeah. And the gore uh, ends up all over Sarah's face and she retreats further into the bathroom. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty great. 
I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I appreciate a good old head explosion. Um, um, when does the cop from outside, does he hear the gunshots and grabs the gr- what I thought was a grenade launcher, but is not actually a grenade launcher? Yes, I believe so. And I can't remember exactly how this played out, but after Bald Cop's head goes off, um, I believe Sarah retreats back into the bathroom and uh, locks the door. Um, but her arm... Uh, yes. The intruder stabs the scissors through her palm and kind of like pins her arm to the wall upstairs. She does that before the cops actually get there. Ah, gotcha. Yes. Uh, so she's immobilized. Yes. Um, but yeah, young cop, uh, he fastens, like, he puts like a cord on his, uh, like a carabiner on his belt. So he, he like, he's attached by a rope uh, to the prisoner. Yeah. Um, and he goes into the house to, to see if he can help with the situation. Cause like you said, there's been gunshots and stuff. Um, and he runs in there and we get kind of a replay of what happened before. But now that we, the audience have seen what can happen when other people get involved, we're, we're like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. And we get some nice cat and mouse stuff where, uh, our, our young cop is like going and he's trying to console Sarah and he ends up like getting some bandages for his hands and, uh, everybody in the room is freaking out even him except for he's doing it in like an aggressive fashion yeah <laughs> like he's just trying to maintain control of the situation while the the young prisoner is like flipping the fuck out he even pukes in the hallway at some point new guy's puking <laughs> his guts out yeah <laughs> new guy in the back puking his guts out um and in the background though of one of these shots that has like it has like sarah in the foreground in close-up uh in focus and then the young cop and the prisoner are kind of like futzing around in the bathroom. And we see the woman in black kind of like walk Pass down by, the hallway. Yeah. And it's pretty cool, especially because the young cop says, okay, stay right here. I'll be right back. And he goes the same direction that the woman in black did. And, like, and we're just like, fuck. Um, and then I think the, the music is pretty ratchet up here as well. But eventually he does come back unharmed. And we're like, oh, thank God. And then the lights go out. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck. Well, the fun thing about the deaths in these movie, it's really like Jim Carrey fighting Matthew Broderick in The Cable Guy, though. Like it just it like lights up whenever the, we have uh, moments of violence in here when somebody dies, and then just goes back down. Well, one thing I, I guess this is a good time to bring it up. Um, one thing I, I appreciate about the way the violence is executed in this film is a uh, there's some there's something to be said for like. Uh, unusual violence in films like like i was i was trying to break this down in my head before we recorded but it's like when we see people in like an action movie get shot Mm -hmm. like generally the way squibs are rigged and stuff it's like usually it's like center mass where it's like they get shot in the torso and then it's like and then they fall down in like a theatrical fashion it's like that's fun violence that's Mm -hmm. not meant to be shocking or like grotesque it's just like oh that's that's you know movie violence where people get shot and then same goes for like stabbings and stuff where you know we've all seen people get stabbed in the gut we've all seen people get stabbed in the back and all that business but then there's that offbeat kind of violence where something about the randomness of it or the eccentricities of the execution make it feel more real Mm -hmm. i mean what i'm talking about is when jean pierre gets stabbed not not in the heart not in like the center of the hand not cleanly like not in a stereotypical stabbing spot but like in the sinus cavity just below the eye Mm -hmm. so it's like an uneducated stab and somehow that makes it more just more threatening and more grotesque yeah 
I know what you mean. And you you see that in uh, Guillermo del Toro's films as well. He has this thing about face trauma that this film certainly shares. Where for some reason it's it's always unnerving to see uh, just facial wounds of any kind. Because it's one thing to like see someone beat up and have like like Rocky Balboa like like swelling and like cuts under the eyes like traditional scar placements and stuff mm-hmm. but to like have someone get like a needle put into their cheek yeah or like or like like someone like cut across the eye but not like stabbed in the eye where like you know the gore and like the details of it are obscured it's just like no that that's like you can see the aqueous humor coming out of their eyeball i would say tarantino's good about like very deliberate like violence like it's it's usually like so like it's so in your face and kind of out of nowhere when it happens like in particular like Eli Roth beating the shit out of the guy with the bat where it looks very realistic but it it, there's something so comical like not comical but there's something so strange about it where it comes off as kind of silly but it's still like he's still executing it like very realistic his uh, his timing is impeccable. Mm. Something about the the execution of his edits and how long he holds on things, and mm-hmm. moreover, like the like from a structural standpoint, like the time between those instances of violence is generally very stretched out, where it it gives it more weight, it gives it more impact when it's very sudden and unexpected. Like like almost all the death, except for one in particular, but most of the death in Inglorious Bastards is kind of silly. Like, it's it's just weird how it plays out. Like, Hugo Stieglitz, like, just putting the, the pillow over the dude's head and just going to town. It's very strange. I'm sorry, I just rewatched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I was jonesing to rewatch it, so I finally got around to well, it. Well, I think that's a very good example yeah. of, like, extreme violence that's somehow blocked in such a way as to be comical yeah it's like by the time you get to the end of that movie you're just kind of like laughing and you're like i don't know if i should be laughing at this but but i am yeah (laughs) like this is not supposed to be funny but it's kind of fun but that i I bring that up because the the hand the scissor hands i'm like i'm like "Mm," i know it like at the time it was probably like very like oh whoa jesus but i've seen a couple of lars von trier movies since then so i'm like this is kind of like I like it, it. It's very deliberate and it's very graphic, but at the same time, it's kind of it was kind of silly that that just that moment. Well, and also she's pinned to the fucking wall and she has her yeah. arm hanging out of a door, so it's, it's a little <laughs> oh fucking weird. <laughs> you need to see Hot Fuzz because Timothy Dalton. Has... I have seen Hot Fuzz, by the way. Did you? When did you watch it? How long ago? Um, I went to a wedding party in uh, Maryland, and I was I was stuck living with the the. Uh, husband and bride to be for a week, oh, and man. the uh, I believe the bride to be insisted. She found out I hadn't seen that. Oh movie. yeah. She was like, "You're you're yeah. in here with me." Here <laughs> and with she me. made me watch it, and I enjoyed it. Timothy it. Dalton with the like the fence post through his mouth, and you think he's dead, and he's like, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> he starts whining. <laughs> so fucking funny. Oh, Timothy Dalton is great. In that. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was a very good movie. I actually, you know. I need to get around to seeing the rest of the the Cornetto trilogy just because yeah like, it, it's I, important. Edgar Wright's a skilled filmmaker. I've seen Baby Driver and I've seen that, and apparently those aren't even his best movies, like according to some folks. I think Shaun of the Dead is probably the best. Hot Fuzz is really close, but yeah, I think Shaun. What the the World's End or whatever. I like that movie. It's very the first like it's I, I like the movie because it's a fun drink along movie because it's about them just going to bars. So if Steph's going to bed and I'm like I'm gonna stay up and watch a little something while I'm having a beer, I'm like I'm gonna watch The World's End. It goes off the rails for a while and it just turns into it's kind of like 
it, it's if the end of 10 Cloverfield Lane was longer. Like, it just, like, oh, whoa, we just really went out of left field here. But it's fun. I, I enjoy it. But it's it's not my favorite of those three movies. Gotcha. Well, someday for me, because, like I said, Edgar Wright seems to be a very, very, very talented guy. And I hear nothing but good things about most of his films. I started watching that Amazon show with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Uh, I I got the first couple of episodes. It's fun. It's definitely kind of a fun little show. Is he involved in that, Edgar Wright? I'm not sure. He might be. I would think if those two were messing around, he might be a producer or something. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him after uh, Baby Driver and after the Ant-Man deal fell through. Oof. That was that was a that was a blow. Like, I know a lot of people suck. were. Well, he was supposed to direct that. And then Disney said, get the fuck out. You you have too many unique ideas. <laughs> we need to keep it even here. Like, we, we can't have Ant-Man be too good because then people will expect that going forward. No, uh, it looks like it's it. Uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are producers on there. So I don't think Edgar Wright has anything to do with it. I have to look him up because I don't actually don't know what he's got going on right now. But anyway, uh, back sorry. to inside. Um, Bring it back. <laughs> Yeah, it was a fun tangent, though. We had yeah. stuff to say. This is a short violence. movie. About violence in film. Yeah, this is like a 80-minute movie of that. I watched the under... Uh, yeah, it's it's less than 90 minutes, and I watched the unrated version, so, yeah. Yeah, but um, anyway, a Young Cop and the prisoner, uh, because the lights go out, uh, they decide to descend the staircase to find a fuse box. Meanwhile, Sarah can't even get a word out. She's just so distraught and, like, thoroughly fucked up at this point. She has mm-hmm. a brand new hole in her forearm and her palm she's uh, killed she's... her mom uh <laughs> <laughs> she's still kind of getting over that car wreck where her husband died she's not doing good yeah yeah she's she got she got problems oh by the way and her water probably broke about 20 minutes ago. yeah 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 uh so she's got a lot going on but um young cop and the prisoner they head down they start futzing with the fuse box and it needs to be said young cop has what i believe is like a riot gun um, yeah. I don't. I, I think this is like a less than lethal gun of some sort. So it might even be like a beanbag. I was gonna say. I think it's a beanbag gun. That would make more sense because it, it would be silly to bring like tear gas into a, like a home invasion. Yeah, case. It, it's it's definitely a non-lethal weapon of some sort. But it's like a double-barreled. It looks like a Nerf gun. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie. It looks yeah. like a bazooka with two barrels. Yeah. <laughs> I, when you pulled it out, I'm like, a fucking grenade launcher, dude? Let's let's get a grip here, man. This is. I was like, well, hang on. This turned into Resident Evil all of a sudden? We're going to go fight the tyrant now? But um, he gives the this riot gun or whatever to the prisoner guy, who, yeah. again, is flipping the fuck out. And while they're futzing with the fuse box, uh, the prisoner guy puts the thing down. And over a series of cuts, we, the audience, discover it. That gun ain't it. It ain't there no more. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, so they both start panicking and they back away from the fuse box. And then we see just like a hand and a gun come out of the shadows and get put up against the young cop's temple. And then we cut back to Sarah and we hear boom, boom. <laughs> uh, so two shots are fired. We don't know what came of that. Um, but Sarah, uh, she like goes upstairs to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> she gets in bed. I mean, I don't blame her. And it's funny too because like uh, the cop puts her in like a fuzzy sweater, it's like it's like a hoodie or something, and she just kind of like shuffles down the hall, and she's just a wreck. She's just yeah, she's exhausted. And she got both. She's got like like exercise bands on both of her palms, <laughs> and, she, and she's covered it from head to toe in blood. She's lost a lot of blood. I'm feeling a little woozy here. Uh, uh, Sarah, as portrayed by Matthew Lillard, oh, <laughs> that'd be a lot of fun. 
Uh, but yeah, she just eases herself into bed and lays down because she can't, she's probably just not capable of any more than that right now. Uh, but then we cut back to the basement and the intruder, the lady in black, uh, she comes up on our prisoner fella and we see that the young cop is face down on the floor. We don't know what happened to him, but he's down and out apparently. And prisoner guys, last, he's like lashed to him, so he can't he can't run away even if he wanted to. Like a gimp. And, <laughs> and uh, Lady in Black takes her handy dandy scissors and puts them right between his eyes and his forehead. Mm. And get this slightly extended sequence where he kind of like stumbles around the room and is doing one of these. It's a. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it's akin to. There's there's a particular killing, that's a. Uh, Somebody gets oh uh, tombstone. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Michael Bean when oh, he gets yes, shot yes, in yes. the head. Say yeah. when? Yeah, uh, yeah. He gets when shot. he's shot in the head and he's stumbling around, um, and Val Kilmer, uh, Doc Holliday is taunting him. It's yeah. very similar to that. Uh, so this guy he manages to pull the scissors out of his own head, and he like flails around with them for a second, and uh, eventually he dies. But. Um, Anyway, uh, Lady in Black goes upstairs, and uh, because this is a French film, she has to lay down on top of Sarah and start, like, smooching her and stuff. Mm. It doesn't get any naughtier than that, but Kyle Kyle had a joke before we recorded that was, he was like, is anybody going to get naked in this movie? I'm for <laughs> like, sure that she was going to get naked. Like, I, thought I, I was going, I was expecting it, too. The corset was being <laughs> popped off. I'm like, she's going to red dragon this. Like, she's just going to be running around naked the whole time. No, I was half expecting, like, American Psycho chainsaws yeah it's like okay now now i have a crazy lady a crazy naked lady running around with scissors yeah <laughs> um but yeah she lays down on top of her and like it gets slightly erotic for a second but then sarah surprises everybody and uh, she bites off the lady's lower lip oh nice and she she mike tyson's her lip nice it's, it's pretty tasty well holyfield yeah. was head buttoned, so you know what he had it coming he was like button over two different fights, so I, I don't think that warrants a bite, but it certainly res- warrants a response. It does. <laughs> well, Bill's Lane wasn't picking up on it. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> you old bitch. Yeah. All right, sorry. Judge Bill's Lane. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sarah runs downstairs, and uh, she has a like a face off with the intruder, and uh, oh my god, Sarah gets the shit kicked out of her. Mm. <laughs> like she she gets knocked to the floor. And those high heels, uh, those boots are made for walking. Uh, Sarah gets kicked in the noggin a few times. And, like, the icing on the cake is this woman in black, uh, when I believe Sarah picks up a kitchen knife, like, brandishes a kitchen knife, um, the lady in black very quickly improvises a ball and chain in the form of a toaster oven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she grabs it by the cord and just whips the the, the toaster in, into Sarah's face. And it's like, oh my god! <laughs> like she's that's gonna chip a tooth. <laughs> I mean, like Mick Foley has taken beatings less. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sarah is down on the ground, and uh, our lady. Imagine, black, she... I'm sorry, I'm imagining uh, fucking Mick Foley dressed up as mankind, and he sees that, and his sock goes. It's <gasps> <laughs> a shocked look. <laughs> Just in the background of one shot in the doorway, like peering around the corner. <laughs> he puts his hand over his eyes. I can't see it. I mean, they used to do those commercials where they would like be hyping WrestleMania and they do like movie parodies. So it'd like, be a particularly twisted one. But that'd be fun. I mean, for fuck's sake, the man used to sell me Chef Boyardee. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that sounds good. I could fuck up some ravioli. 
I'm hungry, but, dude. <laughs> hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> but uh, Our Lady in Black is kind of feeling herself at this moment. She's doing like a Frank Langella at the end of the, the ninth gate. Um, so she decides to, uh, to light up one of her cigarettes, which she's done at least three times in the movie at this point. Uh, she so is French. Is a habit. She is French. Uh, <laughs> I am French. I am French. Uh, Bruce Campbell in Spider-Man. Yes. Please. please. Any any Bruce Campbell in any Spider-Man. Pretty please. much, yeah. Look it up. Um, hopefully he's in the new Spider-Man, because they're bringing everybody out of the woodwork. And Is Sam Raimi doing it? No. no he's doing Doctor Strange. Interesting. Uh, he's, doing the new, he's doing the next Doctor Strange, which might have some Lovecraftian shit in it. That could be fun. Um, that could be fun. Uh, but the new Spider-Man, they've announced that uh, Alfred Molina is confirmed back. Oh. And potentially toby Ugh, you can keep potentially him. um but i was thinking it's like well if you're bringing everyone back they already got j jonah jameson back in there like maybe bruce campbell in another cameo I th- it's tradition i think it'd be the <laughs> decent thing to do yes it would be the decent thing to do every movie is elevated by bruce campbell yeah <laughs> just give him a little bit of, just just a little bit of screen time that's all he needs just just a little something just you know he could be a he can be like a, a guy he can be like a phone operator or something he can be a guy with a headset yeah. or something <laughs> but anyway uh lady in black is smoking and she's just kind of hanging out with sarah in the kitchen and sarah uh who seems to get her wits about her every once in a while not all the time yeah uh she grabs what appears to be like a it's either like a cooking spray or a hairspray bottle uh and she holds it up to lady in black's face and depresses the trigger and uh we uh we get the lady in black uh, cape feared mm-hmm. um, uh, she get her entire head gets immolated and it's a uh, a little bit dodgy cgi but the the selling done by the actress like she really sells the pain of having your head set on fire <laughs> and uh, she howls out of the kitchen she like just runs through the house out of there and we get a really unusual moment here that i was telling you about before we recorded that I'm not entirely positive what it is. Um, I I know how I interpreted it in the moment. I could be wrong, um, but Sarah takes the kitchen knife and she's like she's like coughing, like it's she seems to be having trouble breathing. So maybe maybe she did this to help with that, like a improvised tracheotomy or something. Yeah. Um, but she uh, she puts a hole in the center of her throat with this kitchen knife, and I interpret it as a brief attempt at suicide yeah where she she thought about it and she got far enough along that the knife went in and, and she's gurgling up blood like she's bleeding profusely um but then she decides against it or something like she comes to her senses and decides you know i don't think i want to die just yet um that's how i interpret it again i could be totally wrong um but she takes a roll of duct tape mm, duct tape always yeah. always the the best thing to have on hand in any situation yeah um and she wraps her her neck with it, so she closes the wound, and uh, and then things get a little weird, where it goes a little bit out of character. And this was the uh, the aforementioned aliens reference that I I couldn't not see. Mm-hmm. Was she takes the kitchen knife and she stabs it into like a cabinet, like a ground floor, like a floor level cabinet, and uh, she takes a like a vacuum vacuum hose, like a, a steel tube. And she jams it onto the handle of the knife, and so she improvises a spear essentially. Mm-hmm. And then we get a moment of her like shuffling out of the kitchen, and 
we even get like a close-up of her face with both of her eyes like snapping open compute with complete with like a, a music cue like a doom mm-hmm. and then she like is stalking around the house looking for the intruder and like calling her out like where are you you bitch yeah and i was like this is literally get away from her you bitch yeah <laughs> but it seems so out of character for everything we've seen this woman go through at this point. Yeah, she can't even walk down the fucking stairs. Now she's now she's gonna do something about it. Like, come on, you've lost a lot of blood. I mean, I'm f- I'm totally fine with her doing something about it. Like, that's fine. But like, having enough wits about you to fashion a spear. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would just be using that. the knife. Yeah. I'd either I'd grab one or the other. I'd use the tube as a club and the knife as a knife yeah <laughs> it's like but no she has to make a spear um but anyway she grabs her camera and she starts like uh using the flash uh to stalk around the house because it's very dark at this point um needs to be said uh, up until this point in the movie most of the interior of of the film has been like bathed in like amber light and stuff and like we've mentioned it has that haze in the air but now it's like straight up just dark like mm-hmm. there's shadows everywhere so she's um, we get like close-ups on all the dead bodies, uh, with illuminated by the flash of her camera, um, and eventually she finds the woman like hiding in a corner, um, and the the makeup effects of of the burns on her face, pretty good. Um, the the wig in particular, like her hair is just utterly disheveled, and um, she's missing a lot of it. <laughs> um, it's pretty grotesque, and it's very well done. It's one of the better makeup effects in the whole movie, honestly. And especially her eye, because it's like, it, it's it's a burnt eyeball, <laughs> or it's like if you've ever seen a cooked fish, mm-hmm. unfortunately, kind of looks like that. Um, but then we get the reveal that most people at this point probably had, like, ass- probably assumed this even without having any evidence to suggest it. But um, the woman says to her, like, "Go ahead, you've already killed me before, Sarah," and then we we cut away. Uh, to the accident and we learn that the woman in black was the other car Mm. in the accident Um, and she was pregnant and her baby was the one that we saw in the opening shot of the movie the opening cgi baby getting whiplash it was her baby died in the crash and sarah has like a freak out moment where she was apparently she was told that there were no survivors of the crash other than herself so she didn't know that there was another survivor of the crash um, so she just went about her life assuming like all the bad that came from that event has passed but mm-hmm. no this these two have a connection and what is it with movies and car crashes man <laughs> like, oh. like something about like uh, like destiny and fate being intertwined via a tumultuous event like a like a cataclysm like a car crash it seems very it seems to be a very common trope in films yeah because every time you get into a car or behind the wheel you are you are just defying death. Like, <laughs> death is coming for you because so many things can go wrong just while you're in the car. So it makes sense that, yeah, death is coming for you in the car. It's just you you may or may not skip it. Yeah, there, there's something poetic about it, though. Where it's like, you know, it's like traveling via, like, a vehicle, like, conveyance like that. It's like you're you're in this isolated little pod, and then occasionally there's instances where those pods that have no interact those pods of people never have inter interaction with each other at any point in their individual destinies they come together for just that one instance and everything's changed forever yeah 
Um, it's it's a very common recurring theme in a lot of movies, um, some of which I really like. I haven't seen Crash. But, yeah, I was gonna uh, say I haven't seen Crash. <laughs> yeah, um, I've heard some shit about that movie though, and I'm Wait, not which in a Crash? Hurry to see it. The uh, is it Cronenberg? Uh, no. Yeah. I haven't seen either. Okay. Uh, the, the Academy Award winning one or the Cronenberg. That movie's one. awful. The the Academy Award winning one, you can keep yeah, you can keep that. No, I would I would happily watch the Cronenberg one. Yeah, that's the uh, one. I know I what that's seen. about. I, that's about like a, a fetish. Yeah, that's people. something different. <laughs> I mean it's a Cronenberg movie. I'm down for that. But the other one it's like as a person of mixed ethnic origins, I don't need that lesson. <laughs> like, if, if you want, I don't need to be preached about that kind of stuff. If you want a, <laughs> a, a movie that is like it's it's the exact same idea except with drugs, go with Traffic. Traffic is a fun movie. That that's one worth watching. I've heard that's very good, and I it's, would like to see that. It's very good. I, I very much enjoy that movie. Yeah, Crash it. I. No, I I'm not gonna. Nope. Yeah, but. Anyway, uh, we get a moment here where after this big reveal, this huge revelation, um, Sarah's obviously caught off guard, um, and then the lights snap back on. So she's caught off guard twice in a row. Uh, so she turns around, and the young cop is uh, doing the Blair Witch thing where he's facing the wall, mm-hmm. um, and sh- he's standing over by the fuse box, so obviously it's him that turned on the lights. And this is where my brain started playing tricks on me, and it wouldn't have made the movie better uh, at all, but it was just something that I was expecting that didn't turn out to be. I thought what was going to happen here was he was doing like a saw thing or something where we didn't see what happened to him. We we heard gunshots, but we didn't see what happened to him, and that goes against the like the thesis of this movie. When bad when violence happens to people in this you movie, see we it. Fu- you see it. Yes. Um. So that was very unusual. What I thought was going to happen was we are going to learn that his high-strung girlfriend was the woman in black Ooh, and he was he showed up to help her and so who the last hope for sarah would end up you know grabbing her and like pinning her to the floor while you know bad things happen to her like i said wouldn't have made the movie better but it's what i thought when i saw him standing in the corner like that Mm -hmm. um anyway uh what actually happens though is sarah approaches him and then he turns around looking like a Resident Evil zombie with bloodshot eyes. And I, I described it as a, a tin can shaped imprint in his skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly he got a less than lethal round right in the fucking noggin at point blank range. That'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so he's probably blind and disoriented. Uh, and instead of like trying to help her, he just screams at, in Sarah's face and whacks her in the stomach with his nightstick. And uh, all sorts of uh, gore and goo come out of her, uh, her cooch, mm. um, p- presumably like placenta and or you know whatever other stuff. Like, yeah, whatever other goes, stuff. Whatever other goes stuff on. that I I am so fucking glad I don't have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and she you know falls to the ground. She's in obviously a lot of pain. Uh, and meanwhile, he's still swinging around wildly. And the lady in black uh, grabs the spear that Sarah was wielding earlier and runs the cop through yeah kind of saves sarah uh which leads to the finale of the movie where sarah kind of crawls away and she's utterly helpless at this point because the baby is coming uh whether it's ready to or not and uh, she gets as far as like the base of the staircase and uh the lady in black kind of comes up and like lays at her feet 
and Sarah is, you know, having the labored breathing and is obviously in a quite, quite a bit of pain uh, for a variety of reasons. And she's like calling out for her mom and she keeps saying the baby's coming, the baby's coming. And the woman in black reassures her and uh, she performs the aforementioned improvised amateur cesarean section <coughs> with the scissors that she attempted to do so with it, like an hour ago. <laughs> um, and it's, a, it's pretty fucking grisly. And uh, they take their time with it. Where uh, she like cuts open the nightgown, two layers of it, by the way, and we just get this long, sustained shot of both actresses really doing a great job, like playing up the believability of the scenario. And uh, yeah, those scissors go into her tummy, and she just like cuts a hole in there and extracts the baby, and it's fucking gruesome. <laughs> um, and our closing shots of the movie are the woman in black, like. Uh, walking into the living room uh, sitting down in a rocking chair and kind of like cradling her her new baby because mm-hmm. uh, Sarah is not alive anymore. Yeah. She's very much dead and uh, because like I said the thesis of the movie is every time we get violence we get we to see, see it. it. Uh, we cut back to Sarah and we see like a top down view of her, her vivisected torso and even a little bit of artistic license in the form of some CGI blood tears coming out of her face her dead face and yeah uh, last shot is like woman in black like bathed in like kind of like a red light from overhead it's like a spotlight almost and uh it's very theatrical she's got just got this baby in her arms and she's rocking and there's i don't know if it holds any meaning or anything but there's a huge pool of pool of blood forming under the chair yeah i don't i don't know what that was i maybe she was dying that's what i i was kind of assuming it could have been. I mean, both ladies take quite a beating in this movie. I, mm. I don't recall any serious wounds that would have killed the, the woman in black, but um, it's a neat image for sure. It's a great way to end this kind of movie. Uh, it's good horror movie ending, as you would put it, where it's, oh, yes. it's the downer ending that mm-hmm. you don't get all the time, but every time you get it, like you feel bad for a second, but then you feel really glad that it's like they, they went through with it. They did, they did what what they should have done. Yes. It, you know? Yes, I like hopeless, hopeless horror movie endings. I mean, it's important because it's like, you know, not every horror movie it's warranted, but there's certain ones where it's like, you know, stay true to the story you're telling. Like, mm-hmm. like really bring it home and, and do do what you, you're kind of daring the audience to, to think you're not going to do. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's how you get satisfaction out of your audience. It's like, oh, man damn they, they really did it yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like they really hit that woman with that toaster <laughs> yeah. yeah this was a this was a, this was an interesting one uh i still think black christmas is winning so far uh yeah in terms of like sheer quality of film um i think that's the the front runner right now although in bruges was pretty fucking great mm-hmm. um it's like i really did enjoy that uh, it's not a horror movie though. It no. is a brutal movie. It does have some serious violence in it, but it's scattered about. It's it's not a particularly brutal movie. Um, but yeah, this one was one that I've actually had on my watch list since it came out, mm. and I just have never ever gotten to it. Um, perhaps because it's difficult to track down these days. Apparently, yeah, it was, this was a hard one to find. Yeah, um, but I've been aware of it pretty much since it came out because. Um, like the late 2000s were when I was 
that was like the period of time when i was really actually paying attention to horror closely mm. now i just kind of dip my toes into it mostly to have things to talk to you about yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i'm the one mostly leading you along the way yeah but you know i i do my research i i, I keep an eye out just you know because it's fun to talk to you about it but um in the late 2000s though i was actually actively consuming that was like, a bad time to be actually uh, actively consuming <laughs> It was, which is why I started, you know, looking overseas because yeah. it's like, man, the shit we got going on over here ain't great. So it's like, let's yeah. see what they're doing in Japan and France. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, James Wan. Uh, yeah, for real. But man, I'm so glad that James Wan is like on top of the world. He right is now. on top of his shit. Yes. He, yeah. He is doing a fantastic job at movies. He is like, damn. I'm I'm so happy when that happens. When you have a guy start, like, you get to see the whole journey from, like, humble beginnings to, like, fucking Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you were part of the problem. You are part of the problem with your Saw movies. He's like, okay, fine. I'll switch gears on you motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's a very talented guy. And clearly he has a lot of friends, too. Mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson's, he's a package deal. Like, <laughs> he's gonna be in it. Like, whether you want him to be or not. Yeah. He will be there. <laughs> um, but anyway, anyway, this was uh, Inside, directed by Julian Maury and Alexandre Bustillo. Um, I'm actually kind of curious to check out, um, well, probably the entirety of the Texas Chainsaw series, because I've only ever seen a couple of them, and they were kind of like weird entries in the, in the series, not like the traditional ones. I haven't even seen the first one. Yeah, we could we could do a master class on those at some point. I I dig it. Like, sure, if you, if you want to pull the gotta, trigger on that someday, I'm down. We gotta do some work though, because I I got quite a few I need to catch up on. Yeah, same here though. So yeah. I mean, that's the name that's the name of the show. Name catching of the show. up on cinema. Name the game. Uh, but, but yeah, that being said, if you want to catch up on any of our other uh, podcasts, uh, we do have over a hundred episodes posted on our website at uh, catchinguponcinema.com. And uh, feel free to hit us up at any of our social media accounts in the form of our Instagram, at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as our Twitter, at Catching Cinema. And uh, yeah, you can find our podcast hosted on pretty much any service imaginable, so just f- fucking Google us or something. Now. Google it! <laughs> yeah, but that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this entry in our Kyle's Brutal Christmas, and uh, we will catch you next time.